Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Sturisto, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Sturisto's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ catch up with Matt Collins, Chief Marketing Officer at Calix. He explains why it's important to keep your commercial strategy grounded in your value proposition, as well as the benefits of making collaboration a top priority. He also shares with the guys why he gets up at 4.30 every morning. AJ has plans for a t-shirt, and Vincent brings back an old nickname. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's so good to be back. It's me, Vincent Petrofessa. That must mean one thing and one thing only. It's another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. It is so great to talk to you again. Hopefully it's good to hear from me. I don't know. See me? Ah, that's iffy. I get it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We are so happy to be coming to you. We, who are we? Starista, right? A lot of people were like, Starista, okay, I love the podcast. Let me learn a little bit more about Starista. We are an identity marketing company. We own our own business-to-business data, our own business-to-consumer data. Companies utilize that data for marketing purposes, email marketing, display. We own our own DSP called Adster. Email me, vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am that we can help you. I just gave you my email address. The only other thing I'm confident about is my co-host, ladies and gentlemen. I'm confident about a lot of things, but especially this guy. He is the San Antonio Slayer. I've said it before. It's one of my favorite. Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. I got to get a t-shirt made, San Antonio Slayer. I'm starting to like that. I love it. I, you know, I, that's one of my favorites. I was, I have another good one for you. I, uh, I was going to, uh, I'm going to save, but uh, yeah, I, I, last time it was San Antonio sweetheart. That's it's part of it. Just coming up with all these little names for you. I could just, I could just say <laughs> my CEO and co-host AJ, but come on, let's make it fun. And I'm still trying to work on your last name after 10 years. So exactly. I, I come up it. with about 73 different intros for him and he's still working on Petrofessa, but I get it. I get it. It's a long last name. AJ, first of all, I want to give you some credit. I don't often do that. Do I? I don't some know. Credit. But, huh. you know, some credit. Credit Credit's new. nice. I, you did a, you for me and a nice partner of ours, you went on Adapt to Grow, which is a, an organization. You were on the panel. You did a great job. So I appreciate you doing that for me. That's Adapt to Grow with our friend Meg Ugenti. She is uh, one of the founders of it. The next one is May 11th, by the way. May 11th. Look that up. Hopefully, let's get this episode out before May 11th, Adapt to Grow. But you did good. You were funny. You were uh, insightful. You pointed out that you're the funniest guy at the company, even more funny than uh, a stand-up comedian, me. Uh, maybe you're referring to Jared. I don't know. Leave Jared out of this. He's a, so, but thank you again for doing that. Actually, was uh, I would consider you the third funniest person in the company. Wow. Wow. You know, that's but, it. Hey, some people are naturally gifted. So. Yep. That's what I mean by Slayer, because he slays my emotions. And uh, <laughs> that's what I mean. But no, thank you for doing that. How's your week been? It's been good, man. As you know, we're working on our acquisition. So it is a crazy start to the year, but in a, in a good way. So we hope to 
in the next couple of weeks announce our acquisition and have the uh, president of the company on the podcast as well. Ah, nice, nice. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. I, you know, I don't know what that is yet. You know, you keep those close to the vest. I'm not at the pay level where I get to know the acquisition, but acquisitions are cool. <laughs> They're cool. That's uh, so I appreciate that. What else is cool? Here's the thing. I always love podcasts where our own teammates are like, hey, you got to talk to this company. You got to talk to this guy that are our own Tom Zanoli, Tommy Z. No one calls him that, just me, but he doesn't know I call him that. Tommy Z, uh, Tom Zanoli had recommended, hey man, this is a really cool company, Calix, and a really uh, awesome chief marketing officer doing great things. So let's welcome him to the marketing stir. Ladies and gentlemen, the chief marketing officer of Calix. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Collins. What's going on, Matt? Well, not much, Vincent. Uh, thank you. Uh, first, I just before we get going, I want to say, I want to say a couple things. The first thing is AJ San Antonio Slayers sounds like a great name for a sports franchise. You should trademark that, right? <laughs> love it. And the second thing is, I love watching you in the WeWorks office as I sit here in Vermont with five feet of snow on the ground, <laughs> home office bunkered in. Uh, it's really refreshing to see someone in a, a real office setting, not a Zoom background. So thank you for having me. No problem. Great to have you, Matt. Yeah, a lot of people are always surprised when they're like, wait, are you in the office? I'm like, well, yes, I met a WeWork. Well, so I'm in New York City. San Antonio is the headquarters. That's where AJ is and uh, the rest of the gang there. And I come into the office. It's There's no one here. You know, I mean, that's what we work doesn't want to hear that, but there's no, there's no one here. I have two small children at home, Matt, in a very small New York City apartment that I could own a city block in and any other pretty much place in the country. But hey, New York City. So yeah, I have to get out. I love it. Sometimes a neighbor will be like, hey, man, why are you so happy all the time? You need to tone it down. I'm like, take it easy, Bill. Nobody even knows you. But anyway, it's so great. Uh, you know, to, to be here. Yeah. So Vermont's not bad though. You know, no, what do you, if you see skiing, what do you know? You, Google, you have to go to Vermont for, to ski. Yeah. My, my newest thing is to get up at four 30 in the morning and skin up Stratton mountain and be the first person to be, get tracks down the mountain. Unfortunately, if I want to do that, I have to get up at four 30 in the morning before work starts. Uh, but it's been pretty exciting and invigorating this winter. Um, and it, it keeps you out and about during COVID. And at least in New York, I assume you can still find some good bagels, even though most of the things that you like about New York probably aren't available. Yeah, the, a lot of it's not, but the bagels, bagels are still there. My bacon, egg, and cheeses from the delis that we did, uh, I mentioned on one episode, I still have to get AJ one of those. Uh, he hasn't experienced that. But yeah, all, you know, the summertime in New York was kind of felt the same. It was kind of like uh, outdoor dining. Didn't feel much different, but now it feels, you know, it, it feels different. But the, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, we keep getting in the right direction. Absolutely. You know, but uh, Matt, I want to go in a direction with you. I want to talk about, you know, I love that you were recommended to us. We had a chance to talk. I'm like, oh, Matt's going to be great. I love what he's doing there. I love what Calix is doing. And I know what Calix is doing, but, you know, please tell our listeners what Calix does. Sure. And I'll, I'll take three different angles on it. The first one, sort of traditionally, we are about a $550 million revenue company. We're publicly traded, New York Stock Exchange. Our market caps shot through a couple billion. Yay. We grew about 28% last year. And what we do is we serve 
communications service providers. We help them set up broadband businesses. So our customers range from Verizon down to small community co-ops who have a thousand or less subscribers. So about 1500 customers, all B2B, uh, global in scope, uh, mostly North America growing internationally. What we do for them is we help them connect their data centers to you. So they, you know, Verizon has data centers. Those data centers connect to the World Wide Web. They have their own content. They connect to Google, whatever. We basically create the connection between their data center and your home and then give them the technology they can put in your home to create a great home experience. And then of course, the big thing for us now is we have a cloud solution called Calix Cloud that sits on top of all of that and helps them use data to optimize the experience, optimize operations, get insight about how they can serve their customers. And that's really the big breakthrough for us for the last four years um, and why we've had such a great run of success. The final thing is I'll say our mission in doing that, and we actually just published a new mission statement. If you go to calix.com, our homepage, you can learn about it, is to help them simplify their businesses. So use data so that they can eliminate costly truck rolls. You don't want them at your house. They don't want to go to your house. How can I use data to fix a problem remotely, right? That's a huge simplification. Excite their subscribers, give you advanced network security so that you and your home don't have to worry about, you know, does my Arlo camera have the latest security information on it because it's protected at the gateway. Citing stuff like that. And then of course, grow their businesses. As they roll out these new services, they grow their businesses, they're more profitable, they make more revenue. So it's really about that. Traditionally, we were a company that was about more of the physical connection. In fact, everything, our, our mission statement was connect everyone and everything. Fiber connections, antennas. Now we're shifting to this value layer and that's really the mission that we're on. And you know that's what we're doing with our best customers. And also now we have a lot of CMOs on and a CMO's role usually isn't just defined by, by just marketing. There's so many different layers or so many pieces that uh, he or she has their hands in. Walk us through, Matt, you know, your role, sort of a day-to-day, -day, if you will, week-to-week. -week. Yeah, well, it varies a lot day to day, week to week, but I'll, I'll describe the role in January. So I, I wear two hats. Um, I lead the go-to-market organization, which is traditional marketing. So I have a team that does all product marketing and, and field marketing, and another team that does all corporate marketing. So the traditional functions like PR, AR, digital, sales enablement, et cetera. I also am responsible for our ecosystem and channel program. So all of our business development, working with the product team on how we bring ecosystem partners to ride on our platforms. Um, and that's obviously those two organizations are highly aligned, right? How do we go to market? And then how do we bring partners in to help drive that go-to-market strategy? And then I run commercial operations, uh, which is maybe a little bit less traditional for folks in my role. But in that role, I run all of our en enterprise uh, tr platform transformation, not the ERP, but all the other technology, Salesforce, Adobe, Pardot, Seismic, all of those technologies, my team, because we're the ones who use it, actually runs and manages that. I run field operations, um, a new organization we created called Enterprise Analytics, and then commercial strategy, which is how do we create all of the commercial programs around our solutions? And then how do we actually go and approve uh, official deals? And again, you might think, wow, that's interesting. Why is a marketing person leading that? Well, if your commercial strategy is grounded in your value prop that you're actually putting out through your marketing activities, it's going to be a lot easier to close deals with customers. 
if your analytics is actually infused by the people who are really driving a lot of your go-to-market analytics, it's going to be a lot better strategically. And you know, it's really great because 20 years ago, the whole function of things like analytics and marketing was pretty nascent. And it's amazing how it's grown to the point where people like me could actually be seen as a leader to run enterprise analytics for the company, which I don't think would have been the case two decades ago. Who is typically your target audience uh, on kind of an ongoing basis? I know it's obviously companies like Verizon. But are there new entrants that are uh, frequently coming to the marketplace that you're chasing? Yeah, that, that is actually, I think, our number one success factor uh, over the last four years is finding those new entrants. And it's interesting that it's not typically the entrance you might consider. So we're all familiar with this idea of the digital divide, right? Um, and the fact that there's lots of communities that don't have broadband to their schools, they don't have it for people to work at home. We are adding about 100 new customers a year, again, on a base of 1,500. So that's 500 over the last five years. And the, typically the customers we're adding are electric cooperatives, right? Who are in a, a rural area with 50,000 people who get horrible broadband from maybe the big major that covers the area. And they actually go and say, we're going to build a fiber network. We're gonna bring great, great technology into the homes of our subscribers because they're their members, right? The board of the co-op is the, the woman who runs the car dealership, et cetera. And so we have hundreds of municipalities and telephone cooperatives that were formed a hundred years ago to bring telephone to rural areas or electric cooperatives who were bringing electricity 75 years ago saying, hey, if I can deliver gas and electricity and telephone, why can't I run a fiber and deploy a great service? And it's really the most exciting thing that I see happening as our company because what they are doing is closing that digital divide. I, I talk about one of our customers, RTC, who recently brought broadband connections to one of the last schools in North America to not have any broadband connection. Mm -hmm. So in fact, actually uh, over 40% of our customers are non-for-profits. Gotcha. And, and the, the interesting thing is 95% of them are serving a rural community in some way, shape, or form. So this is really about helping people who may not live in Manhattan and have a choice between five service providers or Miami or someplace like that. It's the rest of us. No, that's that, that's great. I, I didn't quite realize uh, the effect you guys were having on nonprofit as well. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, the only other thing I'll say about the audience, the other thing that's shifting, AJ, which is a big challenge for us as marketers, is we traditionally serve network engineers and network operations. And as we've grown our cloud business, which is really about process transformation, and we sell tools for marketers, we sell tools for support people and operations, we now have most of our marketing activities targeted at general managers, senior marketing leaders, customer support leaders, which is a huge shift. So whether you're at a small co-op or Verizon, the people we're trying to reach and serve are completely different than they were four or five years ago. And that's been a fascinating dimension. And the stock prices have gone up about six times since you have joined, which is just amazing. So how do you do it and any growth secrets that you can share with us? It's all about great marketing, 100%. Just kidding. Um, so, no, I, I can't take all credit. But I, I will say this. Um, having a cohesive strategy that drives through your go-to-market 
is how you actually transform the perception of the market of the value that you bring and get the audience to think about you differently, which helps you launch completely new offerings in business. So our, our product team has done an amazing job building great software platforms, cloud platforms. We've launched them, we've repositioned it. But at the heart of this is this, AJ, the reason we have grown sixfold in the last three to four years is because we have relently, relentlessly pursued a very aligned small set of strategic objectives. As a leadership team, we meet every month, right? And, 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 and once every six months in those meetings, we spend two days going through and agreeing on our corporate priorities. We literally spend two days whiteboards. We get a hundred things up on the board and we get it down to our top 10. And as a leadership team, we focus on that top 10, which includes things like our Greenfield program, which is all about how do we go target these new service providers and completely reorient ourselves as a customer, as a company to serve those customers? How do we go dominate the new emerging XGS market? It's a priority we all align on. And I, you know, how do we build an ecosystem program? We didn't really have a formal partner program four years ago. Now we have a vibrant program where we're onboarding new partners all the time and integrating their technologies. And the reason we did that is as a leadership team, the CEO, the president, the CFO, the heads of product, myself, the head of sales, we all, we, all, we all sat down and we said, look, we all have our jobs to do, but we're all going to align on these 10 things and we're going to tell the entire company that that's what it is. And every six months, we're going to revisit it. And here's the fascinating thing. The first time we did that four years ago, approximately, it took two days. This time when we did it in January, it took a couple hours because and that level of alignment and focus has allowed us to continue to deliver the value we've been known for for two decades while basically launching a whole new business, a startup inside of an established company, which has been fascinating. So if you ask why we grow, certainly revamping our go-to-market, bringing a new value proposition to customers and prospects is huge, but it really takes a full alignment to completely realign what you do as a company, which is what we've done in the last four years. And Matt, I think you'll know even more about the data side with this question I have. I mean, you actually, you were the uh, global marketing director at Dun Bradstreet, which, you know, Starista, we, we certainly know that um, Dun and Bradstreet being uh, ourselves in the identity marketing and data business as well. So with that and your current role, how does data feature in your work? Like how do you use data for more marketing, more intelligent marketing? In some ways, data is our work. I mean, it is so foundational to every decision that we make and everything we do that in some ways, data is our work. And we say to our customers, the company with the best data wins, right? Why is Google winning? Why is Amazon winning, right? It's because they have the best data. Now, we might not always agree with what they choose to do with it, but it's very clear that that is a key differentiator. So everything we do in marketing, we absolutely infuse it. I mean, I'll take digital as an example. We, we went through with our president and CEO, Michael Weening and Carl Russo, um, a plan to re, re, redo all of our, our digital navigation. And we went through every single point and talked about the data. Now, here's the interesting thing is, 
our digital engagement, whether that's traffic, whether that's engagement with videos, whether that's lead references, has gone up three, five, 10, 20 fold over the last three years. So when people come to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, we can help you with your digital experience, you could do this. And I say, well, the first thing is, what are the numbers telling me? <laughs> and if the numbers are telling me that we're driving the business, I'm not changing a thing. Now, we are doing some optimization, but we started with things like, hey, by the way, we know you all love featuring our products and platforms. But when you look at how prospects come into our website, they're 25% more likely to come through the solutions lens than through a product lens. So we wanna move that up in the journey and feature it on the top level nav and we wanna feature, so everything we do. But here's what I wanna say, Vincent, it, it, it's not just that we use data in our traditional marketing, right? Lead scoring, ABM, we're all about that. You know, that there's no debate about the value of that. The most, I think, interesting thing is how we use it with our direct sales team. We are a direct sales company. We have an amazing direct sales team, as good as any in technology. It's relatively small. It's not IBM, but it's amazing. And they have deep relationships and expertise. And so what we do is we use our CRM, in our case, Salesforce, to understand how customers are interacting with us and feed that information through Salesforce to the direct sales team. So as an example, in 2017, we had a company, SE Telecom, who first engaged with us with a webinar in October. And then we noticed that they were, members of their team were visiting our website and we gathered that information. And then we got it to the team. The team got them to come to our conference. And you go through that journey and over the subsequent three years, they bought into our entire portfolio. And just to show you how foundational this is, I have a chart. The chart basically says, here's marketing engagement by customer over a three, three to four year period. Here's engagement by the sales team. Here's opportunity formation. Here's deal closure. I actually take those charts to the board, to our board, and I walk them through that to explain to them how the investment we are making in data and marketing is translating into relationships that don't just lead to a sale, but lead to a, a, a better relationship. Because if you're really smart and you're doing ABM, you're not stopping at the end of the deal. You're thinking, what's the next thing that I want to do and how do I help the sales team? And you know, the interesting part is I haven't had a question in three and a half years from a board member or senior executive to say, what are we doing with our marketing investment? Because I can go in a way that someone who's not a marketing expert and doesn't understand lead scoring and, and say, look, here are examples of some of our most amazing customers and how we systematically engaged with them, shared that information with the sales team and partnered with them. So as an example, I actually don't call things marketing campaigns. I call them go-to-market campaigns. And I'm very clear about that because at the end of the day, there's almost nothing you can do to lead to a sale in a B2B world that doesn't involve partnership with sales, right? They're going to come to the conference because the sales team brought them. They're going to sign up for the webinar in some cases because the sales team encouraged them. The sales team has to pick it up. So for my team, I make sure that the sales team is also part of that whole data dialogue and that data discussion. And it's been a really interesting journey of discovery. Um, but that's it's at the heart of what we do. And I think it's really what's driving our growth and engagement. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that with us, Matt. And especially there's some strategy and some tactics that you're using successfully. And I think the 
audience of the marketing stir, a majority of those people being in marketing and sales could really use. So I, I, I want to touch upon something you said there because it's kind of that age old question that we get a lot, right? Marketing and sales being so divided. You're not, you're bringing them in within the data as well. Where else are you guys collaborating together? Are you or your team on some of those calls with sales to kind of hear what the customers are talking about? Talk to me about how you're bridging sales and marketing together because not every company is. Yeah. So, so I'll start a little differently than you expect. So the good news is we are hiring like crazy, right? And people ask me who, who we're hiring, you know, talk to me about the culture of Calix. And I say, it's actually the most collaborative place I've ever experienced. Um, and I was a McKinsey consultant who worked with, you know, dozens of companies as well as worked at many, many companies. And what's really interesting is the collaboration that we have with sales and everything they do and everything we do has really helped us be productive. To your point, most companies I've been a part of, there's this tension. Oh, we're not getting the audience we want at this event or this webinar. Oh, the salespeople aren't. Oh, marketing's not doing their job. It's incredibly unproductive. So I'm very fortunate. Mark Dressler, who's uh, my counterpart, who, who runs sales, very much we're like, okay, let's solve the problem. Let's not worry about the whys and the wherefores other than it helps us get to root cause. So I'll give you some practical examples. We have grown our inside sales team immensely. My message to my team was the Calix Corporation has done you a favor. They've invested in another robust channel for you to use to actually reach your market. The most important thing you can do is every week on a systematic cadence, hold an enablement session with them because they're new. They don't know everything. We have deep experts in product marketing. There's lots of ways that they can learn, but if you create yourself as a, an asset and a resource, you're not only going to drive sales, but you're going to build this great relationship. Um, some, of, some of the collaboration from my perspective comes from my background as a consultant, and you need to influence to get anything done. And I've always sort of taken that approach of how do I help someone get to their objectives? And you know, the other thing that we do really, really importantly is as we host a monthly go-to-market review for each of our big, big business lines uh, and our audiences. And we get together cross-functionally and we sit down and we talk about the campaign performance, what's working, what's not. We talk about sales um, pipeline and deal closure. We talk about the products that are coming and launching. Um, and, and, and what we do is we involve sales and others in the planning, right? It's not like we're off doing our thing and we're coming up with our stories for our next sprint. And so by bringing them into, and by the way, we use the sprint, you know, the, the, the methodology, we're very agile, we run sprints, et cetera. But by bringing them into the planning, you create a sense of ownership, right? And, and, and most organizations I've experienced from big ones like IBM to smaller ones like Dun & Bradstreet, which isn't that small, but is certainly smaller than IBM, um, there isn't that sort of integrated planning in ownership. Um, and I think that coupled with the commitment of the marketing team to basically say, I'm going to do what I can to help the sales team complete their mission, like the example of you know running all the training programs with the um, inside sales, that's been the key to creating this collaborative environment, and it's allowed us to be more productive than any place I've ever experienced. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about your marketing stack. Are there uh, certain softwares that you love using personally that others could benefit from? Um, so we are very much uh, a Salesforce shop um, and that includes the ecosystem. Um, so, so my team, I have uh, a senior executive who runs sales enablement. And again, the reason we do it is because you should be enabling the sales team around your value props and your message, and they should be consistent. And so um, we run it programmatically and content wise. We use Seismic to bring all of that content forward and get it in their hands and do it in a very logical way. The first question we asked was, how well do you integrate with Salesforce? Because we want to be able to share documents through Chatter, right? Because we're a very heavy user of Chatter as our internal social network. And very heavy, right? And that, that, that's a whole other story on you know, driving that. But the point is, we approach it from an ecosystem point of view. So we use Pardot, right? Some people would say, is Pardot the best marketing automation platform in the world? You can debate it. But one thing it does really well is work with Salesforce, which is where your sales team is living, right? <laughs> um, you know, so as we go through and, you know, you know, we, we use Einstein for analytics. We, and, and I think the thread there, I would say, AJ, is that I think sometimes teams focus too much on best of breed capability. Does this give me all the bells and whistles I want to do the job? And they don't think enough about how well does this integrate with the other platforms we use for other parts of the business. We use AEM for all of our, our, our digital platform work. Right. And we were using other technologies for our internal web portal, you know, our, our, our internal experience for employees. And we sunsetted that. We were using a different technology for our customer portal where they come and do software downloads. And we said, look, we're going to standardize on this technology, not just because there's world class, but it meets those needs. And it'll be, you know, you may give something up with the, you know, SharePoint portal that you optimized for document sharing. <laughs> But at the end of the day, the, the integration and the teaming that you get is invaluable. I'm particularly sensitive to it because I'm responsible for the team who has to do the deployment and the integration. So, so that manager comes to me and says, well, you know, I don't know if we want to go with that technology because it's going to be hard for us to make it work. And, and, and that extends to things like how do you master the data and do you get a Salesforce ID and do you have a JIRA ID and how does that work with your Oracle ID? And, and I really think, AJ, if you want to scale, you have to have a business platform strategy and you have to be sensitive to that. Um, so I focus less on is this absolutely the best of breed and focus more on how easy is it for it to collaborate with other technologies? How easy is it to integrate? How easy is it to evolve? Oh, guess what? We can't fix that problem because if we fix that problem, it breaks the problem with it breaks this platform over here. That's not the kind of place you want to be in. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I think about our marketing technology. Yeah, that actually not only answers it, it's actually good uh, personal advice for me as well. So we have been in sort of a growth mode. Uh, and every time we are hiring somebody, especially more seasoned, experienced people, they have a platform that they love, they want to bring on, right? So it's yeah. like, we, how can we possibly live without Slack? And, but there's, you know, base camp. So everybody has a preference. And that's one of the things I'm struggling with is uh, how do I kind of consolidate and use, get the whole company on it. And we're considerably smaller than you and uh, having many different 
forms of communication just doesn't work. Efficiency, efficiency and unification are values that consistently get, let's call it downgraded in the selection process. I'll give you an example, AJ. I came to Calix and we were looking at a sales enablement platform. We didn't have one. And I had one that I had used at a prior company that I loved. And I was just sort of like, hey, and by the way, it was a bigger company. And they were like, yeah, we'll give you that same deal. I would have 99%, I'm like, yeah, we're gonna use that. And the team went through the evaluation and they came back and they said, well, you know, I'm worried about how this will integrate and grow. And we ended up going with a different technology then I would 99%, I was like, yeah, of course, we're just slam dunk. We're going to go do that. I love it. And, 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 and that was one of the first things where I just said, yeah, yeah, okay, we're not going to do that, right? Um, so I think it's really important as senior leaders that you, you take that into account um, because it's an important factor, not just in how your team operates today, but how you scale. That's really, that, that's, I think we're all in business as marketers to help our companies scale and to help our interactions with our audiences scale. And, you know, right now we're looking at different um, ABM technologies and I, I'm starting with that point, which is, you know, we have an existing ecosystem. It works well. How do we bring technology in that plays well with the other parts of it? It meant kind of related question to all this is, are, are there channels where you're finding particular success, especially when it comes to acquiring new customers? Are you heavy on uh, search or programmatic? Would love to know how you approach the acquisition side of things. Well, I'll, I'll, take, a, a, I'll take a slightly different bend to it. We, 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 do, we do use search, we use all the traditional tools, but actually the thing that's been most effective for us on acquisition is by finding the right partners to work with when we execute our marketing tactics. So very often when people kind of go into the business, make the decision to go into broadband, right? Or I'm gonna go build a whole new network and I wanna clean sheet it. They work with various people in the ecosystem like consulting engineers, right? Who see them before we do, right? We come into the equation when someone says, yes, I've made the decision of how I'm gonna get into broadband. Now I have to go find a technology partner. And so increasingly what I'm driving the team to do is to say, how do we bring the execution of our tactics together where every single one of them, we have an important partner, like one of our big partners, Connexon, who's a consulting engineer. Let's go do a program jointly with them. And then all those people who are early in the decision-making process will come because they recognize Connexon and then they'll see the nice Calyx logo and the Calyx message at the end. Um, and, and I think it's sort of like the decision of, I wanna pick a technology because it has all the features I want, which is myopic, right? To not think about the bigger ecosystem. It's the same thing here. Marketing teams wanna go run their own tactics, right? And when they go run their own tactics, um, they, 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 they don't go do through the force multiplier of finding the right people to partner with to go run them. And they can be associations, they can be consulting. In our industry, you know, they could be like NTCA, which is a big cooperative organization. Um, and, you know, I think increasingly as we're working with them, this isn't going to be a shock. Webinars are becoming really important, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's really interesting. We actually built a whole new digital platform that in, included about, a half a dozen different technologies from Salesforce and Microsoft and Adobe, um, some of our own. 
Sherpa was a big part of it as a as a video platform. I think it's pretty amazing. It scales. We used it. Um, it works well with other things. Um, we now actually are deploying that for not just like something big with thousands and thousands of people like our big connections conference, but we're using it in smaller webinars because we really like the flexibility. Uh, we like the way that it integrates on the back end, right? So, so if you said what tactic type is becoming more and more critical, it's that sort of digital engagement through things like webinars that are really the big differentiate. And I, I would encourage everyone in the audience to just completely rethink it. So how you actually present yourself through that sort of digital medium and things like webinars, that's been the big change. And, and I, I, the number of firms who are now out there is we're experts in how to do, you know, do this and all that. It, it, that's been the big change. And I think the people who do that very well are gonna be the marketers who have differentiated performance in the next 12 months. You know, uh, Matt, uh, if you'd said about two years ago, you know, hey, we're going to webinars, right? People would have been like, yeah, all right, we get it. Webinars, sure. But we've spoken to so many people on this podcast mm -hmm. and they've said webinars because, you know, COVID, maybe they're, you know, people are searching for thought leadership conferences, the in-person where they're getting all those thought leaders and different sessions obviously yeah. aren't happening. And we've had so many people say webinars. Oh yeah. Normally we get 33 people. We got 700 people to our webinar. We had to upgrade our webinar system. I, you, you listen to you know, out of this 50 episodes we released or 65, 40 of them, they'll say that webinars are, are you know, the, a great way to build a thought it's thought leadership yeah. it's a great cool. generator yeah that's yeah, all virtual i mean so i we had our investors conference at our gleaming new headquarters in san jose san jose that we launched two years ago which is now empty uh yeah. <laughs> on orchard road in in san jose um but we had our investors conference it like it was uh the second week in march last year when the whole thing was starting to melt down. And it was so funny because we showed up to prep on Monday, Tuesday. And by Wednesday, half the people who were coming were like, yeah, we're just going to do the webcast. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then we had our big customer advisory board meeting like three weeks later and everyone's going, oh yeah, we're going to come. And within two weeks, they all canceled. And I just turned to my team and said, you know, we have our big, you know, regional summit series coming up in, in April and May and June. We have our big conference coming up in the fall. Like we got it. It was like overnight. We got to go all virtual. But part of what it drives, Vincent, is you have to rethink your whole engagement journey, right? Because that that content needs to find its way into your blogs. It needs you need to rethink your follow up strategy. So one of the things we just did a big GM uh, webinar. We had Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank on. It was great. He was talking to the audience about how his portfolio companies are doing. That's part of our, our GM series as we try to you know, engage that persona more directly. Um, we've brought in people like Seth Godin and Alan Mulally and, and you know, a lot of uh, real luminaries. But the point is the way we used to follow up to a webinar when it was sort of like you know, one of our 15 things was pretty rote, right? You drop them into a nurture stream. If they signed up, but they didn't, make sure you score them based on what they want, who are the hot leads. Now it's like, okay, who are the hundred people who are going to get a note from our president saying, thank you so much. Right. Because guess what? They're not going to be showing up at an event anytime soon. They're not going to be, you know, meeting with our sales team. I mean, 
we added 30 new customers. And again, the base of our company is about 1,500 customers right now in the fourth quarter. Astounding, right? Just really great results. We sell, quite frankly, pretty strategic complex technologies, right? These are like, they range from like big servers that you would see in a data center that Verizon runs, you know, in the community down to, you know, advanced technology in your home. And, and, and these sort of virtual engagements and the way that we're running them, they ripple through everything we do. And how do we, how do we, how do we share that content out? How do we drive SEO? How do, so to me, when I look at our, our, our marketing metrics, digital demand gen, engagement responses, we had an unbelievably astounding year last year, right? Um, and some of that is because guess what? People are gonna spend a lot more time on your website when they can't get out of their house and they can't go meet your sales rep. But a lot of it is because we really pivoted. As an example, we put out a whole effort in April, a whole new web experience around COVID-19 saying, we're here to help. Here's the ways we can help you, how we can help you do remote installs and all of that. So it's, it's actually quickened the pace of what you need to do and force you to rethink all of that virtual engagement. Yeah, no, I, and I think it's, I also part of the reason why AJ and I, we scratch our heads to the amount of listeners that we have. I think maybe two, two years ago, if we put this out, uh, AJ, who knows if we'd have the listeners that we have. Well, I may, I, I'm still confident in our, our ability and the great speakers that we have on. But yeah, we, we, we're getting a lot of that where, where people are sell, telling us like the webinars. Uh, so there's a GM series. I want to tell people about that. The GM series that you're putting out, they could just go to calix.com on that one. Yes. Yep. Actually. And we're going to be putting out a whole new um, communication channel around our engagement with GMs and they can go see the existing content. They can register all that great stuff. But um, so, so that'll be wonderful. By the way, I, I did want to tie it back to one of your earlier questions. The other thing that's happened, I think because of the pandemic and you know how we use tools is it's made segmentation AJ a lot more important. Um, because people's behaviors have changed dramatically. So we spend a lot of time looking at people's digital behavior because we're in that business, right? And trying to understand it. And one of the things we've noticed is you used to have single persona homes. Like you would look at the behavior and you'd say, oh, that's a streamer family, or that's a gamer family, or that's work from home because they're using Zoom, or wow, they're, you know, there's a lot of Peloton use and things like that. And actually what's happened is the homes have become multi-persona, right? Because you got learning, you got working, you got streaming, you got gaming, right? And they all drive different digital signatures and they all have different requirements for security and latency and all of that. So the big thing we're working with our customers on is helping them really understand how to use the data to segment their audiences and target them. I'll use an example of something that I found fascinating, uh, company YK Communications. So they went out and they ran a, a, an omni-channel campaign that was focused on, as Seth Godin would say, the most important targeted valuable segment, right? And they were going after a group of people who showed gaming activity and were hitting service limits, right? So meaning they, they were, you know, they have a hundred bag plan and they're suddenly needing 250, they're hitting that service limit, which is very frustrating because it causes things like your game to stop working. So they ran this campaign and they got tremendous responses. People saying, yes, I'd love to talk to you about a higher tier, blah, blah, blah. It turns out that over 50% of that segment were grandparents because their grandkids were showing up on the weekend or visiting them and gaming, and they had an old plan that didn't give them the power. 
And so they started calling and they're like, oh my God, our most valuable segment is, is grandparents. And they got people on average to upgrade two tiers. They had like a 50% take rate. And, 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 and it, the thing that's interesting I say to our customers is when you listen to the data, it's amazing what it will tell you. Sometimes it's like unbelievable. By the way, the other thing that was interesting is the grandparents were all really pleased that they were getting a phone call. Oh my God, thank you so much. You know, it wasn't some jaded person going, yeah, leave me alone, stop bothering me. So, so that's, you know, if, if you look at what's happened in this whole virtual engagement thing, segmentation has gotten so much more important, particularly when I talk about the space that we're in, when you think about this, this whole sort of changing in the dynamics in the home and using the data to understand what's happening. And for our customers, understanding how they can provide better service. And Matt, I just, uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, we, we, we're almost out of time. Wow, that's flown by. But I, uh, I definitely want to talk about, I've been doing some research there on your online marketing academy. I can't let yeah. you leave without talking about that because I think that's really cool. So if you could comment on that, that uh, would be great. Awesome. So um, four years ago at our big conference, um, I, was, I was talking off stage as I was getting ready to go on with the president of the company, Michael Weening. And we talked about this idea that, for our customers to succeed, quite frankly, they have to fight the consumer giants. They have to fight the Googles and the Amazons who want to get in the home and you know get the relationship with the subscriber. Now, to do that, we have to show them how to use data and give them tools to succeed, and they have to become much better at marketing. So we launched a whole marketing initiative where we are literally building web pages for them. We're building you know email templates. We're we're building social templates. Um, now, what we're doing this year is we're launching this marketing academy where we're actually going to build a program and we're launching a program that's optimized to teach them how to be better marketers, how to do email marketing, how to do digital marketing, social, outbound, all of that. And the reason is we are a B to B to C company. We sell them the technology that they sell through to their subscribers to give them a better experience. And if they don't succeed, we don't succeed. And they're, and again, increasingly, their value proposition is bumping up of some pretty darn good companies, not just a Comcast, but a, a, an Amazon and a Google. Um, and so with this academy, we can go into a small company, 100 employees, maybe the three, four person marketing team, and teach them how to be world-class marketers. So the combination of all the content we're building, right? You know, a startup video on how do you, you know, roll out your mobile app that you want your subscribers to use all of that and and it's almost like what we're trying to do is set up almost a franchise model and i really encourage people who are in a b2b world to think about that now we're not going to be like mcdonald's and be like you know here's your uniform your menu this is how you're running around. but we want to get to the point where we're giving them the tools to basically run a business that's selling our technology right again we don't sell to consumers but we have to help them position our product or we don't succeed. And the academy is really at the heart of that is how do you take people who might be in a rural part of the country, three person team, how do I compete with Spectrum Charter or Comcast? How do I make myself known against a Google? And it's really, we're bringing them in and running the academy because it helps them and it helps us. And it's end to end and it's really built for telecom marketers. And I love it. 
Oh, I love hearing that. And I, uh, I saw it, I read about it. That's why I wanted to make sure we got that in. And I, uh, we are out of time. That is crazy how fast that has flown by for fun. Matt's hanging out up in Vermont. He's skiing. I'm up at 4.30 in the morning as well, Matt, but that's to tend to a nine-month-old. I wish I was skiing. That'd be great. At this point, I'll just – I'll get a garbage bag and roll down my hill here in New York. I'll do anything just to get out. That'd be great. But this has been awesome. Ladies yep. and gentlemen, so insightful, Matt, uh, you know, you shared a lot with our audience, uh, especially those tactics there that they're going to, I know we're going to get emails about that saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's been awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Matt Collins, the chief marketing officer of Calix. I am Vincent Petrofessa, the vice president of B2B products here. And that is AJ Gupta, our CEO. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of The Marketing Stirred. Thank you so much and talk soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.